0: Did you know that real estate is the method where many people in America have become multi-millionaires? Do you want to learn about real estate? Stand by. Welcome to the Real Estate Exam Podcast This is a podcast where we will provide you sample lessons for the real estate exam for the states which we offer full real estate exam audio lessons. Our audio lessons are designed so that you can study for the real estate exam in your state while driving, exercising, or otherwise using time which would be unavailable for reading or looking at a computer monitor. For more information on the full series of lessons, which we have available in various states, go to reexampodcast.com. Good luck in your studies! A career in real estate sales can be extremely rewarding, but the first step is to get your real estate exam license. This is Franz. Welcome back to the reexampodcast.com. This is the fourth sample lesson for the California Real Estate Salesperson Exam Prep Audio Lessons series of lessons. As I told you before, the full series of lessons is 25 lessons, which covers 8 hours and 58 minutes of audio instruction. This lesson is entitled Acquisition, Transfer, Escrow,
1: and Taxation welcome to this lesson entitled acquisition transfer escrow and taxation of property part one so in this we're going to be talking about all those things you heard in the title how to acquire property transfer property about escrow accounts and how property is taxed so let's go ahead and jump right in in california there are several ways to acquire property they are will succession accession occupancy and by transfer so by will somebody leaves you property so the first is a will and a will is just a written statement that names different beneficiaries and which each and what each beneficiary should receive the difference between a will and another thing that can transfer Ownership of property, such as a deed or a contract, is that it only happens when someone dies. Upon someone's death, the will goes into force, and the beneficiaries receive what is put on, what what is put in the will. There are a couple of different kinds of wills. Three major types. The first is a witnessed will. A witnessed will is a document that shows what the person. to happen after their death and then it is signed by the person whose will it is and then by two additional people who then sign and date it and say we we saw that this will is genuine and we witness that it's this actually this person who signed it and that's actually what he or she wants then we have what's called a holographic will and this is one that is written dated and signed by the person in their own handwriting this kind of will does not require additional witnesses as it's in the person's own handwriting. Then finally we have a statutory will or a statutory will with trust. And this is a pre-printed form that's made out by the government. Upon death the, the title, the estate, passes to a person called an executor or an executrix before going to the beneficiaries. And now this executor decides what exactly is correct, what should be done with it. It goes to what's called a probate court. And at the end of this process, the executor then disperses the property to the heirs. So that brings us perfectly to our our next one, which is probate. Um, A probate proceeding happens when there's not another kind of specific will in place. A petition is made for a probate proceeding, and a hearing is made before the court to appoint an executor or an executrix. Sometimes an executor will be named in the will, and if there's not, they appoint what's called an administrator, which is somebody who acts in this capacity but wasn't named in the will specifically. A notice to all the creditors is then published. So the creditors have four months to make claims against the assets of the person who's passed away. So if there's outstanding debt, the creditors can then make claims and also the executor can decide to make claims can decide to sell off assets in order to pay specific creditors and then after this four month process when all the claims have been made then the court gets an inventory of everything that's been done and they get they have to approve it and say okay this is This is legal, this looks good, this looks fair, and then the estate is then divided up against the people whom the courts deemed proper. So usually blood relatives, the next of kin, that sort of thing. And this is often something that's done with large estates. If it's just a small estate, it can often be exempt from these proceedings. But with large estates, it's a good idea. The next way that you can acquire property is called succession, And this is when someone dies without leaving a will. The law provides for what's called intestate secession. And there's different rules about um, what kind of property goes where. But often it's split between a surviving spouse and any living children. So let's say that there is a surviving spouse and one child. Then the estate could be split in two. And half of it would go to the spouse and half of it to the surviving child if there were a surviving spouse and two surviving children the estate could be split in thirds and a third going to each of those parties the next is called a and that's when an owner's title to an improvement or a spot of land can be extended as a result of either a man-made or natural causes such as accretion reliction or annexation Then we have what's called abandonment. And abandonment isn't just not using the property. It means that you, of your own free will and choice, give up the rights you have to that property. And then the property reverts back to its previous owner. So if you are a tenant on a property and you say, I'm abandoning the property, the landlord then gets all the rights back to that property. Let's talk a little bit more about transfer property. How property can go from one lawful owner to another lawful owner. The first way that this can happen is through a private grant. So one private party gives the deed to another private party. And most property is transferred like this. So you have one family that owns a house, they sell the house, and they give the property deed to the new owners. The next is a gift, and this is the transfer of property through a gift deed. The person who owns the property doesn't receive compensation for it, so they just give it as a gift to the new owner. The property's been transferred. We have what's called a public dedication, and this is property that is then given to the public, to the government, to the use for the public. So they say... I own this spot of land, I'm going to give it to the public, and they're going to turn it into a park. And for this to be valid, then a public government body then has to accept the public dedication. So then the government says, okay, we'll take your land, and we'll turn it into a park. Thank you very much. The next is a public grant. And this is when the government grants the land at little or no cost to another entity. But usually there's strings attached to this. And it's often given to private institutions such as a university or other, or things like railroads or other institutions that are, are for the public good. The next is called alienation by court action. And these are situations in which the a court establishes a legal title against the wishes or the desires of the people who own the title. The first is called a quiet title. And this is the usual way of clearing a tax title, clearing up adverse possession, which is possessing the land without having the rights to do that, and the, the title of a seller under a forfeited, recorded contract of sale. We have then what's called partition. And that's a when a co-owner of a property can sue the other co-owners respectively requesting to be separated from them, so they to make a partition of their interests. Foreclosure. Foreclosure is a person who has a lien against their property who is then delinquent on their contract. So if you have a house, you're supposed to make a house payment every month, and you haven't been making their house payment for months, then the owner of the property can then foreclose on your house. They can take it back against your wishes. Then we have the decl Declaratory relief. And this is saying when two people or parties are in dispute, they can then go ask the court to settle the dispute for them. So there's a dispute about which rights belong to whom. The courts can then step in and say who's in the right and who is not. We have then what's called an execution sale. And that's not execution as in being executed for a crime. It's saying that when a plaintiff gets a monetary settlement against another party, the defendant can get what's called a writ of execution. And this means that the court can force the person to sell off property in order to pay um, the debt that they owe. And then finally, we have what's called forfeiture. An owner can make a condition and say if this condition is not met, then you forfeit the right to your property. So when that happens, the ownership of the the or the rights to the property automatically go away and the person then no longer has the property. So those are all alienation by court action. That's all one big category where the courts take property, they transfer the property forcibly against what the person would want to do. Then we have marriage is another way of transferring. Uh, Different states have different laws when talking about marriage. And in California, marriage does not affect a transfer of title. However, once you get married, any earnings that you have after that or any acquisitions you make while you're married become community property. So they're owned by both of you. And so that means that each spouse has an equal interest in the property going forward. Next we have what's called escheat, and this is transfer a property from someone who died without having any errors or any will, in which case the state usually takes control of the property to make sure it's not just left unattended we have what's called eminent domain and this is we talked about this a little bit earlier in a previous lesson which is where the government acquires private property because it needs to be used for the public good and then they compensate the person who owns the property fairly so for example if they're they're building a new freeway and the freeway route needs to go through where there are existing houses they can buy up those houses for a fair price and then force the property owners to leave We have what's called equitable estoppel, and this is when a former owner is barred through the law or estopped from denying the title of an innocent claimant. For example, if somebody is claiming to own a property under false pretenses and then sells the property to a third party who didn't know that the original owner can't then deny the claim to the third party. Finally we have bankruptcy. And legal bankruptcy is also called insolvency. And when and during insolvency proceedings, a person's property can be transferred to the courts or to a trustee who then can sell off the property to pay for debts to creditors under the court's supervision. Next we have what are called deeds. So let's go ahead and talk about deeds a little bit. The deed is just a legal document that transfers ownership from one person or entity to another one. They don't have to be recorded in order to be valid, but when it is recorded, it's it shows the legal transfer under the law. There are several different elements that have to be included in deed in order for the deed to be valid. These are, it has to be in writing, it has to identify all the people that are involved, and the, all the parties have to be mentally competent and legally capable so you can't have deeds between two minors that aren't yet legally competent under the law you has to have a granting clause that so has specific language to say I'm, I'm granting this property to this other party it has to have consideration which means that there is something of value being exchanged by both parties or at least one party and in some cases it's a, if it's a gift Maybe not to both parties, but there has to be something of value being exchanged. It has to have a legal description of the property. It has to talk about the different rights and the interests that are being transferred from one property or person to another. It has to be properly executed. That means it has to be signed by both parties with their legal names and the same names in which they got the property in the first place has to be delivered to the grantee, has to be accepted by the grantee, and so then it has to be, then the grantor has to then sign it and have it notarized. So all of these things have to be in order for this to be valid. There are two main types of deeds, the grant deed and the trust deed. The grant deed conveys the interest in the property that's being transferred with two implied warranties. The first is that the grantor has not transferred interest to another party and the second is that the property is free from encumbrances so other than the ones that the grantor specifically said when they made the contract. And this in California is definitely the most common kind of deed. The Second is a trust deed. This is when this only gives the strict legal title; it doesn't have the same warranties as the other one. There are a few other; those are the two main kinds. But there are a few other kinds of deeds that you might want to know about as well. We have the reconveyance deed, and that reconveys the full title from the trustee to another borrower. Once, uh, so using a trust deed, once the promissory note is all paid up, once that's done, then they get it then they get the deed. We have a quitclaim deed. So this gives the interest in the property, but doesn't make any warranties about encumbrances or any other previous problems that might have existed. We have the sheriff's deed, and that's given when a foreclosure happens, and it gives the former owner's title with no warranties at all. We have a special warrant deed. And this one says that the property is is free of any encumbrances. And it also says that the grantor will defend the title against any future claims. But this one is not used very much because it's quite a bit of legal liability on their part. Then finally, we have a gift deed. And this is what it sounds like. It's just given as a gift. And it can be voided, though, if it's if they find out that it was done under false pretenses. Another term you're going to want to know is called the title. And this just means that when you're transferring a deed, the grantor has to assure them that the title is clear and marketable. And that means that there aren't any encumbrances or outstanding interests on the deed. Let's talk about possession and how that has to do with the title. When you're talking about possession, it's important to establish who owns the title, and make sure that they have the right to grant it to another party. And when this is done, they often look at what's called a chain of title, and this is something that is kept by it should be kept by the local government in the registry of deeds. So it's it's a chain that shows kind of the transfer of ownership from the original owner and. To so the next owner, to the next owner, in a chain to show who owned it and when. And unfortunately, this chain of title is not always complete because it, sometimes there's mistakes that are made, something is put in wrong, something is uh, something is missed. So that can is one of the things that can cause a problem when transferring the title from one person to another. Another problem that can crop up is called a cloud on the title. And a cloud on the title is any outstanding claim or encumbrance that would, if it's determined to be valid, impair the owner from being able to transfer it to another person. They can't do anything with it while there's still a cloud on the title. So there definitely can be some problems that crop up when we're talking about titles. And so one of the things that people do is get what's called title insurance. Public records can often be in error. They can be incomplete. So there could be problems that come up that will prevent you from selling your property to another person. And those can be very difficult to clear up. And so title insurance is built in in order to protect you against some of those financial risks. So when you have title insurance, they issue what's called a preliminary report about the status of your title. Title insurance is now become so common that it's almost used universally in California. And a standard policy protects against off-record hazards such as forgery, impersonation, and a lack of competency with one of the parties that you're dealing with. The possibility that the deed of record was not delivered with the intent to convey the title, any losses that arise from the lien of federal estate taxes and the expense, including any legal fees that you incur for defending your title, no matter what happens. So in this case you're covered legally. But there are some things that the title that title insurance does not protect against, such as easements and liens that are, are not on public record. And the rights or claims of persons of people who own land that it's not shown on public records, zoning, ordinances, mining claims, water rights, all of these things are not covered by typical title insurance. In California, though, you can also get what's called extended coverage. Uh, Because there are many loans in California that are secured by property that's from out-of-state, or financial students that financial institutions that are not within California, but are still licensed and legal institutions. There's an expanded coverage that's offered in these cases, and they expand the normal risks covered to include the rights of parties in physical possession, including tenants and buyers under unrecorded instruments, reservations in patents, and unmarketable titles. So this is just a a greater what greater coverage than the standard coverage now title insurance companies have their own rules and regulations that they have to follow every title insurer has to have a public have a public record about the different fees that they charge for their policies so that everything is very transparent there are several things that they any title company has to comply with they have to have at least $500,000 paid in capital in shares of stock. They have to have a guarantee fund of $100,000 in cash that's set aside with the insurance commissioner and they have every year they have to set aside a title insurance surplus fund and that's equal to 10 percent of its premiums collected during the year. Unless the fund is the lesser of 25 of 25 percent of the paid in capital of the company or $1 million. Title insurance companies can furnish the name of the owner of record. That wraps up our lesson for today. Thank you very much for listening.
0: This is Franz. Thank you for listening to this fourth sample lesson. If you think these lessons are valuable to you, perhaps you might consider purchasing the full series of audio lessons available at reexampodcast.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this lesson valuable. Again, we are offering audio lessons for the real estate exam for various states. Check out our website, reexampodcast.com, to see if we have audio lessons available for your state. If you have any thoughts or suggestions, please contact me by using the contact form at the website, reexampodcast.com. Keep studying!